Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. Here we are again. I know. It's been two weeks, I think. Has it been that long? It doesn't seem like it. We watched, you went away to a little convention in Minnesota. Convergence. Convergence. Yeah, Convergence. And we watched, was it the night before you left that we watched episode one of Marco Polo? Oh, yeah. I guess it was way back then. Yeah. Hmm. And now this, that was when? July the... First. It was Canada Day, remember? We were singing and everything. Canada Day, Canada Day, Canada Day, Canada Day. We, yes, How could you forget that? We saw the fireworks. We did, Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So the last time we left off, we were about to go watch fireworks. Mm-hmm. And we saw them. They were awesome. They were awesome. And they I were like just fireworks. in the River Valley because we live right by uh, where they were firing off the fireworks. Mm-hmm. So we literally posted the episode, the last episode of Lazy Doctor Who on July 1st, mm-hmm. and then left the house at 10.57. And and then when we got down to the River Valley, they were pretty much firing them off as we got there at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we were home by like 11.20. And then we went to bed. Yeah, the, I know. The, the end. The end. We thought maybe we'd do another episode, but we didn't. And now mm-hmm. here we are like two and a half weeks later. So all the stuff that we talked about, because I haven't listened to the uh, the Lazy Doctor that we did for episode mm-hmm. one, I have no idea what, what we said. So it was all brilliant and, and lovely stuff, I'm sure. Well, I know we went into what, missing episodes. Yep. I, there was a big info dump about that. <laughs> yes, we, we taught people all kinds of things. Um, what else did I talk about? Because um, that's my role on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You are the one who talks about the actual episode. <laughs> I bore people with facts mm-hmm. about it. I don't think facts are boring at all. Well, I I hope I hope I I hope I edutain. <laughs> Please don't use that word. Throughout, use it a few times. Not in this show, but in other shows. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. But uh, so we decided that let's watch at least two episodes mm-hmm. of Marco Polo. I made it through two recon episodes in one sitting. I am kind of proud of myself yeah. for that. How how'd that go for you? Um, I don't know if it's because I was more tired when we started tonight okay. or if it's just because these were slightly less interesting to me, but it wasn't quite as exciting as the first one. Maybe it's also because the first one was my first sort of sit down proper recon. So I was kind of, kind of anticipating it and a little excited about it this time. I, it didn't quite feel like a slog, but right. it, it didn't feel like it cooked along quite as, as fast. Fast. I don't know. It just it was it wasn't quite as painless of an experience as that first one was, but it wasn't bad. No, and you also like beginnings. Yes, know, that's true. I'm that, a sucker for the start of like, things. Yeah, and so like it was like a whole new like the whole big giant seven part adventure that you knew, and it was like mm-hmm. oh wow, I get to do this, and it's the beginning of a recon, which is exciting mm-hmm. and you, new and unique. Yet yeah, I know <laughs> just waiting to see the remaining ninety three episodes that are missing. Uh, Stop talking about it. We'll get there. Some of them are animated though. You forgot that's about true. that. I've seen some of the animated ones. They're nice. Yeah. Um, but in this in this one, uh, there was uh, Susan and Ping Cho stuck in the sands, mm-hmm. and Tagana being a jerk, and then um, Barbara gets kidnapped in the cave of Five Thousand Eyes, and Tagana's a jerk. It's only five hundred eyes, dear. What's that? The cave. It's only five hundred eyes, not five thousand. You're thinking. You said five thousand. You're probably thinking the cave of a thousand Buddhas, which I believe nope. Barbara mentions. No, I didn't. 
We did get a little history lesson, though, about the Hashashines, um, mm-hmm. about where the word assassin comes from. I liked that. I did not know that. I learned something from Doctor Who. It is fulfilling its educational remit from the BBC. <laughs> Boy, howdy, was it sticking pretty close to the letter back then, wasn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, not only discussing the historical um, element of Marco Polo's journey to Cathay, but also words and science too. Condensation. Do you see how yes. condensation worked? You I see? Explained that. That was that was pretty neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I learned stuff uh, about the world and the universe by watching Doctor Who by accident, but here they were actually setting out mm-hmm. to educate me, and I feel much smarter because of that. I didn't know about the hash hashings, but did you? I know you were like you like words and stuff. I well, actually, I I. I had heard that before, but it wasn't one of those things that, that sort of registered with me enough that I could call it up to memory myself. So it felt like I was learning something new, even though it's something that I had learned previously. Yeah. So so when I say, I didn't know that, it's because I forgot that I had known it before. I understand. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Ping Cho's story? Um, I thought it was funny because once again, we were reading along with the, yeah. uh, the script, the transcript online. Um, and at the end of it, it says in parentheses, well-deserved applause. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, I, I guess it was our, honestly, I was bored. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. It's such a weird, you would never, ever see that ever in Doctor Who anymore. We're just mm-hmm. like a minor supporting character sits everybody down and tells them a story. <laughs> it's it, to me that's that's Max of the educational remit again. She's telling yeah. a story of you know this is a historical story of, of some sort or a fairy tale or something, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, it's it's story time for the little kitties. That's that's really what it came across as. I I wish we could see it because I think I would enjoy it much more if I could actually see her movements and the yeah. way that she was speaking and stuff. Just hearing it was was fine, but. Yeah, there's, I feel like this, these episodes lost a little bit more in not being able to see them. We had some some big chunks of time where there's not really anything in the script to, to keep me going. Uh, when, during the sandstorm, I didn't really know how that was playing out. And I'm sure the special effects were nothing fancy or special, but I would like to see how they realized that the pictures were very hard to make out. I was super happy to have the script because their lines, anytime that the wind was blowing, were almost indecipherable. Yeah. Um, and then later you get Barbara feeling her way around the Cave of 500 Eyes and there's nothing happening. Like you just see a picture of Barbara with her hand on the wall, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then there's some rustling, and that's all. So thank, thank you, script, for telling me she's feeling her way <laughs> along the wall. If I if I didn't have the script in front of me telling me that that's what she was doing, I would have no idea what was going on. I would think that she was just I don't know standing there. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I should pull up. I have them somewhere. I can't remember where they are. They are copies of the original camera scripts from Morris Hussein, the director, (gasps) um, who I've spoken to in the past. He's Mm -hmm. a very nice man. And he found both the camera scripts in his attic and he found the telesnaps with all the uh, the pictures Uh in there as well. And so it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting to note how things change from the camera script to the actual font because there's some lines that are changed Ooh. there's a couple like extra little sentences in there that are kind of dropped i mean it so it wouldn't necessarily be 
um, an exact replica mm-hmm. of what you're watching on screen. But the camera moves. You could tell, like, you know, when you see, like, a medium close-up on here and then, you know, cut oh. to telecine for, like, a model shot or something, you know, mm-hmm. like, all the stuff that's on the map. Cut, cut to what? Telecine. Telecine is a machine mm-hmm. that would play film back into the studio. So, like, whenever they played scenes that were pre-filmed into the studio, they would use the telecine machine. Ah. T-E-L-E-C-I-N-E. Telecine. That's how. That's what I would have guessed. Yeah, I thought. Oh, I thought you would have heard of that before. Perhaps. Nope. Oh. Nope. That's one that's new to me. Oh. Or if I knew about it, that one I completely forgot. On like assassins. <laughs> assassins and telecine. Um, did you notice anything about the doctor in these two episodes? Uh, he was he was largely absent from the first one. Uh, he had a little bit more to do in the second. So that would be the second episode and the third of Marco Polo mm-hmm. altogether. Um, uh, Character-wise, still finding myself annoyed by the doctor. Really? So, yeah, I found it. I was. I almost laughed out loud at the beginning of the second episode, um, the, the Singing Sands, mm-hmm. where you get voiceover from Marco Polo saying that he's just like this grumpy old man and I've had to deal with his insults and he's been so annoying this whole time. And I was like... All right, Marco, high five. We're on the same we're mm-hmm. on the same wavelength. I just thought it was really funny that he just he talks about the doctor being basically what what he seems to be so far a, a spoiled child. And then he when he comes back after sleeping for a long long time, he is still just that same I don't know, he he just seems kind of disconnected from everybody. He's only interested in fixing the TARDIS and uh, I don't know. It's I don't hate him or anything, but I I just find him very petulant and I don't know first doctorish so far. See, I would I wondered if you had sort of noticed that he I yes he's still petulant yes he's still mm-hmm. kind of selfish but he's much more pleasant I find in episode three. You know he's more giggly and and less kind of I brusque as he was in episode one. I will give you that, but to me, it read like giggly child, mm-hmm. not like pleasant adult in any way. Right. I was still, I was still reading like, um, like tee hee hee. I get to do what I want. I'm mm-hmm. sneaking to the Stardust. Uh, you know, I, I made, made it. I made another key. Uh-huh. Look at me. Look at me, mom. Look at what I did. Right. Um, but I. And speaking of look at me, mom, I found it very interesting that in episode two. Barbara immediately jumps to his defense when Susan is talking about him sulking. And Barbara says, oh, I don't think he's sulking. I think he just, you know, he he had this wonderful magical machine, which is now taken away from him by somebody that he thinks is much, you know, is very in- inferior. Um, so that makes him, you know, feel bad or whatever. And in my head, I'm like, Barbara, that is the definition of sulking. <laughs> I am sorry. So, yeah, I, 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 that, that didn't... Uh, that didn't play real great for me uh, on the Barbara front. Like, mostly I've been loving her, but at this point I'm like, oh, nope, you're cutting him too much slack. Unless she's trying to sort of um, convince Susan not to overreact, perhaps. Well, okay, there's, there's know, a possibility sort of there. Playing the diplomat. The reason I bring up um, Hartnell is because he was, he was gone for all but one scene. Because mm-hmm. apparently he fell ill. Oh, I wonder. Uh, in episode two, um, <clears throat> what I think though, I th- I this, um, I think there was a time. I this, I'm getting my anecdotes jumbled up in my head a little bit, but apparently he he was very irate or upset about something. Um, it might have been it had something to do with Caroline Ford about how they had a fight because I think William Hartnell sort of like 
carried over that sort of grandfatherly approach to Carol Ann Ford into real life a little bit and say, oh, you shouldn't, like, spend money on, like, expensive clothes. You're just a young girl and everything, like, even though Carol Ann Ford is, like, in her early 20s at this point. Mm-hmm. And they had a big spat or something like that. And I think that's probably, that might be why he just sort of stormed off and, like, just didn't want to be in the episode <laughs> anymore. And so they had to rewrite it around that. And then in uh, at, the, at the beginning of rehearsals the next week, is when uh, Hartnell said he was sorry and he brought this huge bottle of champagne because <laughs> Caroline Ford loved champagne and she was always buying champagne with her money and everything like that. And this is one of the things. And so just as a way of saying sorry, he brought this lovely big giant bottle of champagne Aww. to her on the Monday and Flowers and just sort of apologized to everyone. And that's why I wondered if you noticed that he was sort of a little more pleasant because I think that actually uh, came through from real life. Okay. And I think you've... I think... As we watch further on, apart from a few outbursts, of course, because he's still kind of a grumpy first doctor, is mm-hmm. that I think he lightens up a little more. I think that's actually the turning point in his in in, in the doctor. Mm. So just keep an eye out for that. Fascinating, because I, like I said, I did notice a difference. He definitely mm. seemed like I mean, you know, in in universe, you could say that all that sleep did him good, and he woke up feeling refreshed. Um, right. But but yeah, I, I, I'm still not reading it as. Uh, as pleasantness yet but but there's there's uh i don't know a lighter like you said a lighter mood i guess mm-hmm. i'll give it that um anything else about these two episodes uh well we haven't talked about ian at all yet no but he hasn't really done a whole lot although it was his idea to go north instead of going back to uh to lop that's true which i thought was was interesting like suddenly ian's like mr let's take a chance um but hey, you know, it, it ended up working out in their He's favor. Although, yep. although if it wasn't for the water and the TARDIS, they all would have died. Yep, all because of the Doctor collapsing in that one scene that he was in. Mm-hmm. He inadvertently saved everybody's life in episode three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So far, so good. I'm still, I am still enjoying this. Yeah. Good. Yep. I was a little bit confused. However, about uh, Tigana. So he at the end of episode one, yep. he gets this poison, and yep. he's going to poison the water the water uh, barrels or jugs or whatever they are. Um, and then instead he changes his mind and decides to just slash them open. Had he already poisoned them? Where's the poison? Like, does he still have the poison? Is he going to use that later? I, I don't understand why he changed his plan. Did, is this just sloppy writing or is there something that I'm not picking up on? That's a good question. And I don't know <laughs> if this comes through, if this plays out in future episodes here. I don't honestly know. Hmm. I have not been paying attention, obviously. Well, okay. Maybe you should read the script again and see what it says. And uh, no, it, there was nothing in in the script for in these episodes. No. Uh, explaining that. But so. you're right. Like he, Tigana is like expecting to them to die Ooh. in the desert. Oh, well, yes. I think I may have just figured it out. Okay, in my head. good. Tell me. Okay, I don't know. Okay, so the whole the plan originally was Tigana yeah. was going to poison the water skins or whatever yeah and he was supposed to get met by a messenger in the desert on the third night which is why he walks away when susan oh, and pink joe follow him yes. he's not able to meet with that fellow because of there the sandstorm. Was a sandstorm because yeah. that's what this is what the guy okay. akomat i think his name is okay um who i recognized i can't believe you recognize that actor from still photos of philip a guy voss. made up philip voss i looked at one photo though is that philip voss who later appeared in the dominators and it was. You are sick. I don't know how I do it. 
anyway, what, was, what were you going to say? Um, so, so yeah, so I guess he probably decided he needed to change his plan. And I'm still not entirely clear on... So he wanted everybody to die from poisoned water. Right. First he wanted to poison them, but then yeah. I guess maybe he And then he was to... going to run away and not be there. Um, but then since he was going to be there, he wasn't going to poison the water. So instead he just slashed it open and... Yeah. I don't... And then, did he really know that he was... Well, I suppose he tried to go back to Lop. Yeah. Uh, he just wanted his share of water and was going to go back, and Marco Polo was having none of that, because mm-hmm. he is... He is he he's, the, he's the commander of this caravan. Yeah, which he does not want people to forget. He flies off the handle if somebody goes... You know, if a lady goes for a walk by herself. Boy, oh boy. It's uh, it, it's the sort of the road trip mental, um, theme of this... Uh, story is starting to shine through and how but really how poor a commander of the caravan Marco Polo is because I'm the in charge here and yet everyone runs off and gets into trouble at some point during the episode yep which I find funny mm-hmm. I'd like to point out that um, you know uh, it's kind of good in retrospect that Mark no Mark even plays Marco Darren Nesbitt who played Tagana didn't really he he's a white guy dressed up as a mm-hmm. Mongol. He's not doing any accent or any funny voice or anything like that. Thank goodness for that. I know. But then a couple other Chinese characters are yes. in here and they're kind of doing oh. that standard thing, which mm-hmm. was probably standard at the time. And that that is aging a little less well. And I imagine that, you know, if and when, when this <laughs> thing comes back, uh, when it's found again and released for all to see, um yeah well, there will be much head shaking it's gonna be a little uncomfortable eye. i think yeah if yep. we see this thing again and i mean then... even just some of the still photos of uh when ping cho was telling her story yeah and i was seeing like all the people that were watching and i was like oh that that guy does he does not look like he's actually asian no but you know what we blame 1964 doctor who look at the fight scene in the um the tavern uh, Marion Ravenwood's Tavern in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, boy. Every single one of the stuntmen are white guys painted up. Uh, yep. Gosh. 1981, folks. Wow. That but, doesn't make it any better. No. But it's... But it just goes, wow. to, goes to show you how long it took for us to shake those sensibilities. Whoa. Yeah. So... So we've got more of it. We got <laughs> some more next time. We got some more. Nineteen sixty four. Okay, um, so we're through three episodes now. We're through three episodes. So four more to go. Yep. I think I can. I think I can. You can I do it. It's a good. It's. I like the story. I, I'm liking it a lot. Actually, it's not bad. I'm quite enjoying it. Watching it for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually because I used to do a blog that is ninety nine point nine two percent finished. I have fourteen episodes left of Classic Doctor Who to write. Um, uh, called the Chronic Hysteresis, if you want to find it, and I watched Marco Polo for a purpose then, and I've watched it for a purpose. Someday I'll watch Marco Polo when it comes back, <laughs> and I won't have to worry about doing a podcast or a blog or mm-hmm. a review or anything like that. I just sit back and watch this because oh it's, yeah, because yet to happen. Because if when uh, Marco Polo when. comes back, you're so not going to talk about it on Radio Free Never, Scar or no, anything. It's going to be. <laughs> Okay, so after after the time when it comes back, <laughs> um, th- uh, then we'll review it, and then then I'll, you watch it another time. I'll watch it another time. Fun. I'll just throw it in and just okay. watch seven episodes over seven nights. Don't watch gotcha. it all in one go. That's the key. That's no, the key to no. classic Doctor Who is not. This is why people always say it's boring mm-hmm. and it drags because you're watching it as it was never meant to be 
watched. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. watching the reverse is like watching a movie in twenty five minute chunks and thinking, oh, this yeah. thing sort of works and fits. And it doesn't starts. flow. No, what's, what's going on with this? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now I have a song stuck in my head. What song? And I would watch five hundred eyes, and I would watch five hundred more. Okay, he's shaking his head at me. I better stop. <laughs> stuck in a cave of five hundred eyes, and now it's more. <laughs> nice try. I tried. I think that's a good note to end on. Probably good, even an off Some note. Silliness. <laughs> Some, yeah. Possibly. Wah wah wah. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, I'm Anthony Johnston, the host of Unjustly Maligned here on the Incomparable Network, and I've already burned through 15 seconds of the oh-so-precious minute I've been given to tell you about the show. It's all about the sometimes strange things we love that other people, well, don't. Some of the guests defending their tastes in pop culture include Will Wheaton, the uh, original Tron, Lee Alexander, the Twilight Universe, Merlin Mann, the 2009 movie Watchmen, Casey Liss, the Dave Matthews Band, Erica Ensign, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. And of course, it wouldn't be an incomparable show without Jason Snell himself poking his nose in. Stargate SG-1, the science fiction TV series. Plus many, many more. Unjustly Maligned is the show for people who go against the grain. Every Monday, here on The Incomparable. Go to ump.fm to subscribe, and remember, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Wow, three seconds left. Nailed.